Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Monday, January 15th, 2024. It is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It is NFL Wild Card Weekend. And it's the beginning of a new era of football for two of football's most legendary teams. And um, it's a great time to be alive, people. Unfortunately, Colin and Luke can't join me, so I've replaced them with Coke bottles of their respective favorite universities. And um, we're running it solo. Um, But on YouTube, you might see that we're in a completely different setup. Some people may call this a basement um, with sheets on the wall and jerseys pinned to it. Um, I'm going to call it a studio. And um, Nathan is behind the camera, kind of just playing producer, playing Jamie, Riley, whoever you'd like to say he is, um, just answering questions and pulling things up for me. So without further ado, it is NFL wildcard weekend. It's been an incredible start to NFL wildcard weekend. So we start off with Saturday's games and both of them super interesting, but it starts out Texans 45 Browns 14. And this game was actually ridiculous. Joe Flacco came out, didn't have a horrible first half, but the Texans just ran away with it. Big plays to Noah or no, not Noah Brown, uh, Brevin Jordan with a 75 yard touchdown, I believe. Um, Devin Singletary had a great game. He had 13 carries, 88 yards, or 68 yards, 88 yards. That'd be 66, Grayson. 66. I can't read off this monitor. He had one touchdown, and then uh, Nico Collins having a great game as well with six receptions. He got a touchdown as well, and then Dalton Schultz joined the party. His one reception was a 37-yard touchdown. Overall, C.J. Stroud looked more poised than I've probably seen any rookie play in the playoffs. He looked ridiculously good, and... Obviously, they put up 45 points, but uh, two of those touchdowns coming from back-to-back pick sixes by Joe Flacco. That man totally threw. He really did throw because he threw like 50 passes in this game. But it just, I don't know what happened. I think i think the flame died. Maybe he's a plant by the Baltimore Ravens to knock the Browns out of the playoffs. I don't know. But Joe Flacco was not the same guy that we saw in those last couple of games. Like It was abysmal I don't even know what to say and like for the rest of the team they really didn't come to the show either like Jerome Ford did not have all that good of a game and um like he only had 17 carry or 17 yards on nine carries and then eight carries 28 yards and he did get a touchdown but Kareem Hunt did not have a good game either David Njoku was very good in the receiving game but Harrison Bryant was decent but uh, I think to both of his targets uh, or two of the targets he had, I'm pretty sure were the two pick sixes. So that wasn't helping him at all. Amari Cooper was a non-factor. Kareem Hunt had a receiving touchdown, but he also had five receptions for nine yards. So he was pretty useless outside of the touchdown. Like That's absolutely ridiculous. And then Elijah Moore was so reliable for them down the stretch, and then in this game he gets two targets, two receptions. Like, I don't know where the Browns changed everything, but the defense, they couldn't do anything. Miles Garrett, in like the last six, seven games of the season, only had one sack, and he hit the QB seven times. Like That's not what you'd like to see out of a guy who, in, in the first half of the season, probably the defensive player of the year, totally threw it away in the second half of the season and was abysmal in this game as well. And um, on Houston's side, their defense was great. Obviously, you get the touchdowns on the pick sixes from Steven Nelson and Christian Harris. Those two guys played phenomenal. But you look at the line, uh, Kurt Hinch, Will Anderson, both getting sacks. Derek Barnett getting a sack as well. Christian Harris, who had the pick six, also had a sack in this game. 
these guys came to play. D'Amico Ryans got this team together, and they came to play. And rookie quarterback, offensive rookie of the year, and um, possibly the coach of the year, D'Amico Ryans, put together one hell of a win. And, um, yeah, they're heading to the next round. Uh, an amazing game. A game that they were not the favorite in. I believe the Browns were a two-and-a-half-point favorite um, at game time, and uh, the Texans came out with it. So uh, let's get into the next game, though. Chiefs 26, Dolphins 7 in the cold, cold air in Kansas City. That that stadium looked frozen. And then, like, there wasn't really even snow. Like, there, there was, like, a frost over the whole ground. Uh, you had Taylor Swift coming in in her um, – Jacket that was customized, made by Kristen Juszczyk, Kyle Juszczyk's wife. Uh, phenomenal jacket, I have to say. All made out of Travis Kelsey jerseys. Um, I believe Brittany had one too, but I don't care. Um, and look, the Chiefs, like, it all started off so sloppy. There were so many times they'd throw the ball up, the wind would kind of push it back towards them, and then, like, Tyreek Hill had a ridiculous touchdown, the only touchdown in this game, and that ball got thrown up in the air. He had to come back for it. Defensive pass interference on Legereus Sneed didn't matter. Tyreek Hill just kind of pulled his leg from Legereus Sneed's grip and took it for the touchdown. But, yeah, this game was sloppy. Rashi Rice had a fantastic game, though. A lot of targets, I will say. A lot of targets for Rashi Rice. Um, and a lot of targets for Travis Kelsey, who I believe dropped the three targets he didn't catch. But both of them had great games, notably Rasheed Rice, who had eight, uh, eight receptions, 130, and a touchdown. Uh, in the running game, Isaiah Pacheco, out of the gate, super well. He had 24 carries overall in this game because of the cold air, because that football was frozen. And uh, he ended up with 89 yards and a touchdown. I think he had like 54 in the first half. Um, Tyreek Hill had obviously a great game, but just about all of his yards came from that one touchdown. He had five receptions and only 62 yards, and he had a 53-yard touchdown. Like That's not the impact you want to see out of Tyreek Hill. I know the ball was literally a brick flying through the air, and Tua was abysmal. Like He literally completed... like by, by the end of it, he threw a lot of passes, 39. By the time that Tyreek Hill got that touchdown, I believe that was his fifth or sixth pass attempt. Like Tyreek literally had to thaw out throughout this game. It was it was actually so bad and totally lived up to the fact that Tua cannot play in the cold. And uh, this showed it because negative 30-degree wind chill for this game was absolutely atrocious. I can't imagine being out there. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and shorts in Georgia right now. But then again, I'm inside. Um, I'd wear it outside too. And um, yeah, this game wasn't all that exciting uh, a lot of, like a couple of good runs by Pacheco a couple of good you know passing plays on both sides but really not much going on here uh, and then we get into today's games Sunday's games and the Packers come out and shock the Cowboys holy shit 48 to 32 final score and the Packers are moving on they knock out the never dependable Dak Prescott in the playoffs Ooh. Then again, Dak had to throw 60 passes in this game to try and come back and win, but he threw two picks. He still had 403 yards and three touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown by Tony Pollard. He had an okay game, 15 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Dak, pretty good on the ground, six carries, 45 yards. 
Uh, and then on Green Bay's side, Aaron Jones led this team all the way. Like, yes, Jordan Love had a great game. 16 for 21 is not bad at all. But Aaron Jones, 21 carries, 118 yards, and three touchdowns. And then when you look at the receiving game, it did not disappoint either. CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup both surpassing 100 yards. Jake Ferguson, seven yards off, but he had three receiving touchdowns. And then on the Packers side, Romeo Dubs having one hell of a game. Six receptions, 151 and a touchdown. A touchdown for Luke Musgrave, who has not played all that much this season. And a touchdown for Dontavian Wicks, who I have spoken very highly of all season. Tough game for Jaden Reed. I was hoping to see him make a much bigger impact. Three targets, no receptions for Jaden Reed. Uh, but when it comes down to it, Jordan Love had a pretty good game. He led this team. He was kind of the guy. He's been so hot this second half of the season. And, you know, 16 for 21, 272, three touchdowns. That's a great, great performance. Pretty similar to C.J. Stroud's and a similar amount of points put up by that team. But... Yeah, overall, the Cowboys just fall short again, but this time their first loss of the season at home. They went 8-0 at home this season, and it comes to the playoffs for them to lose. It, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, the fact that they even earned that seed just to get knocked out by Green Bay, who, yes, they were very good in the second half of the season, but not the best. Uh, got to shout out the defense, though. Jair Alexander got his pick. No yards off the pick, no touchdown, but Darnell Savage, holy shit. One interception, 64-yard touchdown on that interception. And um, that kind of tells the story of this one. The Packers just complete dominance. Matt LaFleur and his guys move on. Matt LaFleur keeps his job. I think that was in question. Um, but, yeah, Jordan Love looks great. This whole team looks great. Aaron Jones is in perfect form right now to head into the playoffs and. Yeah, they're they're moving on, surprisingly, for sure. I think Cowboys were a seven, seven and a half point favorite going into this game. So a huge upset by Green Bay and a, a fantastic performance. And then our next game from Sunday, Rams Lions, is going on right now. Um, you know, not too much to talk about considering it only started about thirty minutes ago, but Lions off to an early lead. Thirteen three over their former quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Um, thus far, you got touchdowns coming from David Montgomery and uh, a touchdown by Jameer Gibbs. Who would have guessed those two guys splitting the touchdowns? Um, but right now, it just seems like Stafford can't really get the team down the field. I know it's only late in the first quarter, uh, but four for seven, 40 yards, not too bad. Kyron Williams, not great either, not bad. Um, you know, three carries, 14 yards, but Jared Goff. Perfect to start in this first quarter so far. He's nine for nine. Um, that's one hell of a start. And it's not even Amon Ross St. Brown doing the work. He's only got one target for one reception for five yards. But Josh Reynolds instead, four targets, four receptions, 75 yards. It's a great start for him. Jameer Gibbs got two receptions out of the backfield for 17 yards. And then uh, Puka Nakua, the only one really doing anything in the uh, receiving game for the Rams. But We'll try and give you some updates on that game kind of as we go. And then, uh, of course, Steelers-Bills got postponed to Monday, I believe, at 4.30. And um, we have Eagles-Bucks on Monday. That Steelers-Bills one was weird because it ended up being, like, the governor announcing it. And apparently the travel ban in Buffalo is still going to be going on on Monday. So I 
guess the people that are getting paid $20 an hour to go, you know, shovel the snow um, are still going to have to deal with it because, um, yeah, there's like a foot of snow right now in Buffalo. And um, I would not want to be there right now. At the moment, uh, it is snowing. It is 13 degrees. And there's wind from 15 to 25 miles an hour. Snow accumulating to about 2 to 8 inches. Damn. Yeah, fuck that. I'm from Georgia. I don't I do not do that kind of snow. I am I like a light dusting. I like ice under the snow so I don't have to go anywhere. That's the kind of snow I want. I'd like to look outside. There's a nice coat on the grass. Maybe an inch. Maybe half an inch, but a little bit of ice. That's all I care about. And, um, yeah, eight inches? Nah, I'm good. Nope. <laughs> I'll pass on eight inches. Nathan just gave me the the nastiest look when I said eight inches. Nah, I'm good. Um. <laughs> I wish I had a camera on Nathan. This would be phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, on Monday, um, weather's not going to get much better. You got like a 60-70% chance of snow all day uh, on Monday, so... Not going to go any better. And then uh, Eagles-Bucks, I'm going to take a ballpark guess and say it's not going to be snowing in Tampa. Nathan, go ahead, pull up the weather for me. Make sure it's not going to be snowing in Tampa. I don't know if they've ever gotten snow. If this was Miami, there might be some snow in the stands, but... No, 53 degrees in Tampa. 50 degrees tonight. Tomorrow can be just fine. Got a oh a little bit of rain maybe. See if those eagles that are so dysfunctional can uh oh yeah, it's raining all day. <laughs> it's it's literally gonna rain all day. Well that makes this ten times better because the eagles suck and they have to play in the rain. Yeah, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen with that game. Like we talked about it on Friday and my opinion's already changed and nothing's happened. And literally nothing has fundamentally changed for either team, and I still don't know what's going to happen. I think my opinion has entirely changed on that one. Um, yeah, that's kind of it for uh, for the wild card games as far. Obviously, it's Sunday, so um, there's not much to talk about. The Bucks um, right now a three point underdog over under at forty three and a half. Um, ah. I feel like the Bucks are covering. I feel like the Bucks are winning. I'd probably take Bucks money line at plus one thirty on ESPN Vet, but I don't know. I don't live there, and I'm not twenty one. <laughs> um, yeah, I think oh, over under forty three and a half is tough. Like, do I? I don't. I see this game as like a twenty one seventeen. I think it's an under. I, I just don't trust the Eagles at all. Then again, their defense has been abysmal, so maybe the Buccaneers could run it up, maybe get twenty eight on their own. But yeah, I don't know. That one's gonna be tough. What's the uh what's the over under now in Steelers Bills, Nathan? Let's get that pulled up. Um I'm very interested to see if that's changed. Because I know it was at like thirty four and a half. Um yeah, so it opened at forty two and a half. They've changed it now to thirty eight and a half. And I think it was as low as thirty four and a half when the game was scheduled for today. So thirty eight and a half. It's still going to be snowing. That's the problem. You know, they and, and I don't think they're going to start shoveling till tomorrow morning. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking under. 
for sure. Like, this is going to be Najee Harris and James Cook running the ball. Maybe some Josh Allen designed runs. Um, I will say, Rudolph, pretty good in the snow. Get that? You get it? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's fine. It's whatever. You don't you don't understand Christmas. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk about some of the coaching news around the NFL. Quite a few things happened. So we're gonna go through kind of just every vacancy, see the updates for it. So we'll start the Patriots. Of course, Bill Belichick retired and um they already named his successor and it's former Patriot player and linebackers coach Gerard Mayo. I I don't like this. I don't I don't think the succession plan works all that well. It just, I don't know, it seems like a dated concept now in football, I think, especially with how bad the Patriots have been. I think a change of, you know, a new face of that team would be helpful. Like, Gerard Mayo, I'm not knocking him at all. I'm sure he can do a great job. He was a great player in the NFL. It's just, I don't know, he, he doesn't do it for me. I think... I think Vrabel was the guy. I think they at least should have taken some time. Uh, and maybe, because like, I know Gerard Mayo signed a new contract last year, and I'm sure it said, if Bill Belichick retires, you become the head coach. But I feel like Vrabel should have given, you know, they should have given Vrabel a fair shot because I think he's probably better, personally. Uh, but who knows? Like, he's 37 years old. He's a young head coach. He's the youngest by like a month, <laughs> even though Sean McVay's been a head coach forever. Um, he's only like a month younger than Sean McVay, but he's got upside for sure. He's, you know, from the Belichick tree, which I think is why the Patriots wanted to stick to that. But wasn't that the issue this whole time was that Belichick was being passed by by the game of football and, you know, his coaching methods weren't efficient anymore. That's why you're moving on. And now. You just go for a younger version who's just going to follow everything that Bill Belichick did. That doesn't make sense to me, but I don't know. But let's uh, let's get into the next one, the Seahawks. They got to replace Pete Carroll. They agreed to part ways. It sounds like it doesn't seem like Pete Carroll made that decision. I don't know if he was even involved whatsoever with that decision because I I can't imagine Pete Carroll not on a football sideline. For sure. And um, I got a feeling Dan Quinn makes the most sense to be the head coach there. He was obviously the D.C. for the Legion of Boom. Now he's been the D.C. with uh, with the Cowboys for some years after he got fired by the Falcons. After blowing a Super Bowl. Historically the biggest lead ever held in the Super Bowl, 28-3. to Maybe I need something commemorating 28-3 to in here. <laughs> I, I think I have to do that to humble myself. Um... Oh, we just had a big play in Rams-Lions. A 50-yard touchdown pass to Puka Nakua. Goodness. Love that guy. Puka Nakua is, in case you've never seen, he's the coolest guy ever. He's just funny. He's a normal human being. And look at wide receivers across the league. None of them are normal human beings. Antonio Brown is obviously the cover boy for not a normal human being. Um... I'm not going down the A-B rabbit hole. But, yeah, back to the Seahawks. I think Dan Quinn makes the most sense. I know they've looked into a couple of guys around the league, but I think defensive-minded makes the most sense. This defense has sucked the last two years, 
and they need like that was the fix that needed to happen for Pete to keep his job and to stay there. Obviously, it didn't happen. So Dan Quinn, being a defensive head coach, coming in, making some moves, just seems like the right choice for me. And then uh, our next opening, uh, Vrabel. He's out in Tennessee, and uh, I don't know who's going to take over that dumpster fire. Uh, That team is going to be bad for years to come. They've totally fucked themselves over in multiple ways, and I just... I don't know. Yeah, they're just hot garbage. Like, they suck. The wide receiver core is ass. Literally, look at the depth chart. He goes, DeAndre Hopkins, nothing. It doesn't, there's nothing there. And, and like, the guys that we look at and we're like, oh, this guy might have a good season. They don't have a good season. It it just, literally, none of it makes sense to me. They have, like, the the bones of a defense, and, um, but it's never going to be good. Derrick Henry is on his way out the door. That's a done deal, for sure. He said goodbye to Nashville in case this is the last time I see you. That's just because you might not be on his schedule next year. Like, that's... He's so gone. It It is so clear. But, yeah, like, Tennessee is such a dumpster fire. I can't imagine anybody that has head coaching experience outside of maybe Belichick um, would want to go there. Like, they're going to have a good pick this season, but... Otherwise, like you have to do so much to rebuild that team. And a guy like Belichick wants to win now. He's going to go somewhere where at least he has a quarterback or at least he has the pick to get a quarterback because I don't even know where the Titans pick. I'd assume it's top 10 because they only had five or six wins this season. Um, pretty sure they're somewhere, I'd say they're like fifth or sixth, um, unless they traded their first away. But I don't think so. Um, Nathan's pulling up the draft order right now. Let's see. What do we got? Seventh. Seventh overall for the Tennessee Titans. Are you getting a quarterback there? Let's see. You're not getting Caleb. You're not getting Drake. You got to see what the commanders do. If the commanders get a... Uh, if the commanders draft Jane Daniels or Drake May, then you're screwed because Pats, they're going to take a quarterback. Commanders might take a quarterback. Cardinals, no. Chargers, no. Giants, maybe. You could go offensive line. You went offensive line last season, though. Peter Skaronsky in the first, you know, your first round pick. You end up getting Will Levis in the second round. Like, that's not bad, but. Um, you know, maybe Jaden Daniels is still on the board for you. Maybe you get that lucky. Maybe he doesn't get picked by the Falcons, the pick after you. Because that is definitely a possibility. I don't want them to go that route, personally, but we'll get to the Falcons in a second. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen to the Titans. They just, you know, plain and simple, they suck. And uh, I don't think anybody should want to be the head coach there. Um, so it's probably going to be some OC or DC we've never heard of that takes that job. <clears throat> and I'm sure they're going to make me regret saying that. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the commanders because they're in a weird position. Ron Rivera obviously fired or agreed to part ways, which means you suck. Um, but they did something weird. So this is the new ownership. Josh Harris, um, 
This is going to be his first head coaching hire. Honestly, they might even change their name. Who knows what's going to happen this offseason for the Commanders. But what we do know is that they made some interesting moves. They brought in former Golden State Warriors GM Bob Myers, who is like the guy. He won all of the championships, I believe, with the Warriors. Pretty sure he's the guy responsible for drafting Steph Curry uh, and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and that whole crew. Obviously, he facilitated the deal for Kevin Durant. Uh, that's a guy that knows what he's doing. And then uh, your former GM for the Vikings, Rick Spielman, uh, also being brought in by this new ownership group to find their head of football operations and their head coach. So they're going for both. The question is, could the enemy get his chance this season? He's the assistant head coach and the offensive coordinator, and we've just been waiting. He's been the name every single year for an offensive-minded head coach position. Literally, it does not stop. I feel like he'd be the guy, for sure. But I don't know. I, I, I really don't, because, you know, we've been talking about the enemy getting a job for like five, six years. It hasn't happened, and it's probably for good reason. I I, I can't explain why in particular, but I have a feeling it's for good reason why he doesn't have a job. So I think Josh Harris probably needs to go out, interview quite a few people, see what it's like, see how the enemy stacks up against him and, and give everybody a fair shot. Because I think giving the enemy a leg up just because he's already with the team, it's probably not the way you should go considering how bad this season ended up being considering you have like the third overall pick. Um, yeah, I trying to think about the commanders because you could go quarterback. You shouldn't because I think Sam Howell's good enough. You could also replace Sam Howell with the guy that replaced him at UNC uh, being Drake may, because you do have the second overall pick. Um, you also could get lucky and, the Bears don't trade their pick, and they also don't take Caleb Williams. You could get ta- Caleb Williams. I still think Drake May would be the pick. But if you want to go get a quarterback, you're in the position to get a quarterback. And I think that bodes well to go for an offensive-minded head coach, which once again once again opens the door for Eric Bieniemy. But I just, I don't know. I have reservations considering how long he's been in the talks and how long he's gone without getting a head coaching job. But let's move on to the Falcons, the one I really care about. So they've already interviewed uh, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Uh, they draft eighth. They probably address the defensive line, but we'll go through kind of the pros of the Falcons' job. So obviously you have a notably patient owner in Arthur Blank. Probably the only redeeming feature about him is that he waits on a head coach um, a lot of the time way too long. Um, they do have two pro bowlers on this team with Jesse Bates and Chris Lindstrom. You got multiple talented skill position players that are very young. Obviously, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson, all these guys contributing to this team. You got $40 million in cap space. Like, that's amazing place to be in right now. And then they have the eighth overall pick, like we said. Obviously, the cons. The QB situation is abysmal. You have to get a quarterback this offseason, whether it's through the draft in the first or second round, where you go out and you sign a guy like Kirk Cousins, you trade for a guy like Justin Fields, um, as long as you don't sign Russell Wilson. That's that's my only rule. Arthur, if you're listening, don't sign Kirk Cousins. Um, 
and then you need to revamp the D-line. It's just not working. Grady Jarrett's been getting hurt every single year. He probably wants a way out of this by now. Um, and then when you look at you know the rest of the defensive line, you've got you know an aging veteran in Calais Campbell, who I think his deal is up at the end of this. Um, you've got Kentavious Street, who we traded for from the Eagles, who's okay. Uh, David Onyemata definitely was very good this season, um, but not much power on the uh, on the edge. That's my biggest issue. I think we should address edge um, with that eighth overall pick, but they need to revamp the D line. And then this is kind of a dumb reason. But um, I was looking at a couple of things where people were like trying to knock the Atlanta Falcons' job, and ESPN literally said that one of the bad things is that the team facility is an hour north of the city in Flowery Branch, and that's torture for the team and the coaching staff. Now I don't, I don't know, I don't measure distance between a team's facility and a team's stadium, um, but like, there's very like it's not like there's nowhere to live, <laughs> like. There's so many nice areas. You could literally just live in Buckhead and commute to either place. You could go to Flowery Branch and you could go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium whenever you need to. Like, it's really not that bad. You go up 85, you go to 985, and you're there. Like, it's not hard. Um, But, yeah, I I think that's a bullshit excuse to be like, why would anybody go there? Uh, But... They've already interviewed Mike McDonald. I think there's plenty of other guys who should interview. I've kind of talked about him on the podcast before, um, but like Ben Johnson, of course, um, you know, the OC with the Lions. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but the Dolphins offensive coordinator as well. I think he'd work out well um, with this team. And then uh, uh, Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator for the Vikings, formerly the head coach of the Dolphins. I think he'd be a good one to interview. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole lot of great candidates out there. Um, and I think the Falcons can't go wrong offensive or defensive-minded head coach. I think either way, that's probably just the way to go this season. Uh, but let's move on to the next team, and that being the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh has met with the Chargers, the first NFL team he's met with this season. Uh, I believe he played for the Chargers at some point. I could be totally wrong about that. But he, uh, they're meeting... I think that's the team for him. He loves Justin Herbert. Mike Greenberg said so himself. Um, And what's nice is a thing he likes the most is Justin Herbert. He's locked in for many years. He's about to hit his prime. And you have an early draft pick because you were so dog shit this year. Um, The issue is there's a lot of negatives to this job. First of all, about $40 million over the cap. So uh, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh played in San Diego for the Chargers for a year. He played for a lot of teams. I did not realize that. Why did they include Michigan in his playing career? That's weird. Whatever. Wikipedia is dumb as fuck. Um, (laughs) Oh, here we go. That's it. That's the link. Thank you, Nathan, for that astute observation. Jim Harbaugh for how many seasons? Like two seasons? was the head coach of the San Diego Toreros. What is that? Uh, Looks like it's an intercollegiate American football team for the University of San Diego. So I'm thinking... FCS. Yeah. Yeah, 
Division One FCS is what it says. They're in the Pioneer League. Um, they play in the PFL, <laughs> Pioneer Football League. Um, yeah, so a lot of ties to San Diego for Jim Harbaugh, even though they don't play there anymore. Um, he probably wish they did. Um, but yeah, you have a bunch of guys coming back from injury: Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joey Bosa. Um, and then also Khalil Mack amongst that group, they all have to get some contract restructurings to help them make the cap. They got to make some cuts. Eckler is about a foot out the door already. And, um, just about every game you play at SoFi stadium is an away game. It's literally a road game every single time because you have no fan base. You have that one crazy lady that they showed on ESPN. I'm still convinced she's an actor. I, I'm not going to believe anything else. But she is definitely an actor because nobody cheers like that. I'm sorry. Nobody cheers like that, especially for the Chargers. Uh, yeah, they pit fifth. I wouldn't mind what this mock draft says. I don't know. Who made this mock draft, Nathan? Uh, this is Bleacher Reports. What reporter? Christopher Knox. Okay, so Christopher Knox has... Brock Bowers going fifth overall to the Chargers. I don't hate it, but, like, you have talented tight ends. Gerald Everett and Donald Parham aren't bad at all. But I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, and then, so with the Chargers, you know, they are just now meeting with Harbaugh, but they've interviewed quite a few people already. They've already interviewed 49ers DC Steve Wilkes. They've interviewed Ravens OC Todd Munkin, which I think is kind of surprising. He only got to the Ravens at the beginning of this season. He's already getting head coaching uh, interviews, and then you got Raiders defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, and then, uh, of course, the Chargers uh, interviewed their interim head coach, Giff Smith, and their OC, Kellen Moore, and then uh, they requested an interview with Mike McDonald of the Ravens as well. Oh, score update in the uh, Lions-Rams game. A Sam Laporta touchdown for two yards on a 11-play, 75-yard drive. Lions up 21-10, about halfway through the second quarter. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it for the Chargers. Let's get into the Panthers' job. Got to be the least desirable job um, in the entire NFL. You have a second-year QB, which I guess is pretty good. That's that's nice. You got a, you know a guy that should be good. You got some great young talent on defense. Brian Burns, Derek Brown, J.C. Horn. You got 40 mil in cap space. You got the league's second second richest owner. Uh, Unfortunately, the owner's a jackass. Um, They have had three coaches in five years. The offensive line is non-existent. The wide receivers are garbage, and Bryce Young has not shown anything uh, in his one season. And, uh, yeah, they don't have a first overall pick. Uh, they were the worst team in the league. They traded it to the Bears last year, and um, they're also the worst front office in the league. This is literally like signing your contract with the devil. You go to hell immediately. As soon as you work for the Panthers, you're fucked. David Tepper is going to throw a drink in your face, and then he's going to fire you. It, like Nobody should want this job. Like Unfortunately, <laughs> nobody should want this job. Maybe Ron Rivera wants his job back. I don't know. But I can't imagine anybody is interested in taking this job with how much of an idiot David Tepper is and how bad that team is set up right now. 
you know, I I know that they want to stick offensive minded. Uh, maybe go for a dumbass like Arthur Smith. I think that would be uh, not a bad idea. He's a bitch. He sucks. You can fire him in a year. Um, it kind of fits the bill for a Panthers head coach. Um, let's talk about the Raiders, though. They're an interesting case. The job should go to Antonio Pierce, and everybody thinks it should. Devontae Adams, Max Crosby. Who's lit- I think every week I see a tweet from Max Crosby saying, hashtag hire AP. Um, but will Mark Davis, you know, cave to the peer pressure? Obviously, he ignores what the public says, considering his haircut. But um, you got some good parts of this job. Devontae Adams is there under contract. Max Crosby under contract. Daniel Carlson. Um, yeah, I I said the kicker. He's probably uh, the, the last good player. But, like, the rest, like, the good part of this team is the location. Vegas is the place to be for sports right now. Everybody wants to go to Allegiant Stadium. Everybody wants to go... Even watch, um, what is it, the Vegas Aces WNBA team? Um, everybody wants to see them. Everybody is preparing for the Oakland Athletics to move there. You want to see the sphere. Literally everything um, is going on in Vegas right now, and it's literally the place to be for sports. And no income tax. That's nice. But honestly, I think you go wrong if you don't go Antonio Pierce. He is the guy for this job. Biggest issue, Aiden O'Connell might be your best choice at quarterback. That's not good. (laughs) Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is there for the time being, but he just... There's something about Jimmy Garoppolo that I certainly just... I just can't take serious. I can't... I can't go into a season believing that by week seven he's going to be starting a football game. It's not possible. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and they also need to find a GM. Um, I, I have seen that Harbaugh is linked to this job, which is nice, but Chargers kind of beating them to him. Uh, but Harbaugh is linked there because he started his coaching career with the Raiders in 2002. And he also hired Don Yee as his agent, uh, who is also the agent of minority owner and greatest football player alive, uh, Tom Brady, uh, which definitely helps. Um yeah, I think I think the Raiders' job is interesting because, like I said, there is some good talent. Um, you know, you've had some very good early draft picks over the last couple of years, but, like, overall you don't have the best stuff going on. Um, yeah, he was the QB coach for about a year for the Raiders. Not bad. Um, but I, I just... I don't know. It doesn't seem like Jim Harbaugh's job. I feel like Jim Harbaugh's going to the Chargers, and I feel like Antonio Pierce has earned that job in uh, in Vegas. Um, yeah, that's kind of it for the NFL. Um, yeah, that's all for the NFL. That's all the coaching vacancies. At least as of now, there's no telling what somebody could do in the off season. Um, yeah, that's it. So let's get into some MLB news. Not too much going on. Quite a few moves that were nice. Uh, start off, Japanese free agent Shota Imanaga signed a four-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. Um, can you pull up the AAV for that contract? I can't remember what it was. Um, he's making a decent amount of money. It's like it's a deal that makes sense. It's not a Yamamoto. Um, <laughs> I think he's making like fifteen a year AAV. Yeah, fifteen mil 
average annual value on that contract. I love it. The Cubs needed to go out and get starting pitching. Obviously, um, you know, the next point is that they lost Stroman. Uh, but, like, they have Justin Steele still there. They missed out on Shohei. They missed out on uh, Yamamoto. They go out. They get Shota Imanaga, who I really do think he's going to be fantastic. He's 30 years old, which is concerning. I think that's why they went short-term, only four years on his deal. But um, he's a great pitcher. Like, he was fantastic in the NPB. Um, just kind of was unfortunate to stay there that long. Um <coughs> So, yeah, I think we'll have to see. Did he play with Trevor Bauer? Okay. Um, I, I thought somebody had brought that up before. But, uh, yeah, Shota Imanaga is now. That's not right. Dude, Stat Muse is the dumbest thing ever. I hate Stat Muse with all, all of my being. Um, but we'll move on to the next move. Marcus Stroman signed a two-year deal with the Yankees. This one, kind of surprising. The Yankees are going out and really doing something here. Um, I'm I'm not all that – I don't know. I, it's not the best move because he's a guy that gives up contact and you're playing in a small ballpark. It just doesn't quite line up. Also, he's a guy that obviously did not respond well to the New York media considering he got to the Mets in the COVID year, sat out the entire COVID year and left, and the entire New York media hated him. Um He's 32 years old. He hasn't, like, he was good last year. He was an all-star. Absolutely fell off the face of the earth in the second half of the season. Um, it's going to be uh, a little interesting. The Yankees don't allow facial hair. I wonder what their stance is on do-rags. Because he does wear a do-rag under his hat quite a, quite often. Uh, not all the time, but that one's going to be interesting. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, that who made that YouTube video? Uh, that is iTalk Studios. And why why do they believe Marcus Stroman to the Yankees will be a nightmare? Let's see. Or big success. That's so stupid. That's such clickbait. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck iTalk Studios. I'm just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. I have never seen any of your videos. Um, yeah, look, Stroman could be good. It could be bad. I don't know. We're going to have to see. Uh, oh, this is a fantastic comment. If Marcus Stroman can just play to the back of his baseball card and limit his time on social media, then this will be a really nice signing when it's all said and done. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, yeah, no, I agree. He never plays as good as anybody thinks he should. That's that's what's happened like every year, especially since he's left Toronto. Like he's just not been good enough. Uh, score update for the uh, NFL game: Rams scored another touchdown. This time, two-two Outwell for thirty-eight yards. Um, yeah, seventeen twenty-one Lions at the moment. Um, so Thursday was arbitration avoidance day. Um, if you want to know all of the people that avoided arbitration, go look at the list. It's long. Um, the only one that matters is that Juan Soto signed a ridiculous one-year, $31 million deal just to avoid arbitration. Like who who does that? I know that it's just like a, you know, figure things out later kind of deal, but $31 million is not something you figure out later. That's... <laughs> 
that's an absurd amount of money. Um, yeah, let's see what you can buy with $31 million. Uh, Let's Nathan, try, pull up Zillow. Pull up Zillow. Let's find a house for $31 mil. Let's just assume he's not going to pay taxes. <laughs> he's going to pull a Cristiano Ronaldo and not pay taxes. Uh, yeah, for sale. Anywhere. Take off New York. Just anywhere. Actually, you could probably find like a studio apartment for $31 million in New York. Let's see. Here we go. Oh, perfect. Okay, so that's about double. 65 mil for a, what is that, a penthouse? That's a townhouse. Okay. Maybe do, um, let's see, anything. I think 40 is good. If you've got 31, you've got 40. I I feel like that's probably the case. There we go, 39,950. It's got a pool? Oh, pull that shit up. 50 United Nations Place? Or is that Plaza? Oh, dude, if your road is Plaza, you're absurd. You've got me fucked up if you got a pool on the side of your house on United Nations Plaza. Fuck no, dude. $4,000 per square foot? No, $19,000 per month HOA fee. What the fuck? Ain't no fucking way. Five bed, eight bath, 9,704 square feet for an apartment. That's a, That'd be a beautiful place to take a bath. I don't know why there's a chair next to the bathtub, though. That's uh, questionable. <laughs> That's fucking weird. You got a fucking Peloton in the living room? Fuck you. All right, well. I found where Juan Soto will be living, if anybody would like to know. Actually, whoa, whoa, what is that one? What is that one with the yard? Not on the right. <laughs> oh, dude, what is that? What is that estate? 47 mil? Oh, dude, oh, it's a Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> Honestly, I'd make the commute. It's not that bad. That place is crazy. What is that? Six beds, 11 baths, 11,000 square feet. Beautiful backyard. If you guys want to see these houses, uh, go to New York and put minimum $31 million. They have a dock. Whoa. Okay, yeah. You guys got to go look at this house. It's insane. It's uh, 549 Indian Field Road, Greenwich, Connecticut. It's absolutely... Oh, is that a secret room? Damn. Oh, we could request a tour. 11 a.m. tomorrow. Look up flights to New York. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Wine cellar. Beautiful wine cellar. Is that an above ground pool? Kind of? Oh, wait. No, it's just supported on the side. It's like a, a infinite pool. Infinity pool or whatever. Okay. I was about to say. How the fuck are you going to put an above-ground pool on this property? <laughs> like, somebody's going to be, like, snorting meth in the bathroom if you have an above-ground pool. You can't just... You can't pay $47 million for a house and not do meth if you have an above-ground pool. I don't care. Your house could cost $30,000, <laughs> and you could have an above-ground pool. I think you're on meth. Um, 
All right, let's 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 move off from Zillow, or I'll, we we could sit here and do a Zillow podcast all day. But um, the Giants went out and signed a hard throwing relief pitcher Jordan Hicks to a four year deal. It's kind of a long deal for a relief pitcher. Four years was surprising to me. Um, I think for a guy like Jordan Hicks, who's been so up and down throughout his career, he probably wanted something long term. Be you know probably helps a guy's confidence to have four years as a relief pitcher, but um. I don't hate this deal. The Giants had to go out. They had to make moves. You you pair him up with an already elite closer in Camilo Doval. You have so many good pitchers on that staff. I think the Giants are really building something. And then uh, the Teoscar Hernandez move was made official. One year, $23.5 million to the Dodgers just to play a shit left field and hit like two fifty. It's Can you pull up Teoscar Hernandez's stats last season? I think he was, I'm pretty sure he was very bad uh, in Seattle. Yeah, 258. Look at that. <laughs> the guy is literally going to hit 250, maybe. Uh, yeah, 93 RBI is pretty good. 38 stolen bases is very surprising. Oh, is that walks? Oh, 38 walks is bad. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I thought it was stolen bases. Like, what? No way. Okay, so yeah, he wasn't that good. In 160 games, he struck out 211 times. Yeah, no, this is a shit move. The Dodgers are dumb as fuck. They just have too much money. They might spend $100 million on Joey Votto to be a bench bat. <laughs> like, this is... The Dodgers have too much money. Um, all right, next is the Braves. They signed Charlie Culberson to a minor league deal, but he's coming back as a pitcher. I don't know if he's going to make the major league team. Probably not. But he's got some pretty good stats when he's pitching. Uh, I think he's gotten seven seven innings, 7.2 innings, something like that. The guy hit 94 in a game in 2018 for the Braves. As a pitcher, obviously garbage time, whatever. Still. Charlie Culberson is making a comeback. And I know, I think on this podcast, I said Jose Bautista is also making a pitching comeback. <laughs> Obviously didn't happen. But um, let's see. He's got multiple scoreless outings. Yeah, 7.1 innings pitched. He's only given up seven hits. <laughs> One hurt run. Right, that's, a, that's a quality start. Seven innings. Seven innings, one earned run. That's a solid start. How many strikeouts he got? One. Okay. So maybe he doesn't have strikeout stuff. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, he's all about the curveball. He's like a sinker uh, sinker slider kind of guy. He's not trying to not trying to strike you out, but he's definitely going to mess you up. Um, all right, next move, though. Six teams. Well, these aren't moves. These are just rumors. Six teams are in on J.D. Martinez. Some likely candidates, the Mets, the Tigers, the Blue Jays, and the Angels. J.D. Martinez is so past his prime. Like He's still very good, but um, I'd say he's past his prime. Um, he's definitely not going to be getting the money that most people uh, would have assumed he'd be getting, at least back in the day. Uh, but now uh, I think he's done a pretty good job. All right. We plugged the computer in. Nathan took a pee break. We're good to go. All right, next thing. So, um, yeah, Blue Jays. They're monitoring Blake Snell right now. Um, it said quietly 
monitoring like snow. I don't know what that really means, but um, the Phillies, Giants, and Angels are definitely in the running for him. Look, with Snell, it's like, yes, he just he's coming off of a Cy Young, so you certainly can't deny the guy money. Um, and he's not that old either, but um, he's definitely like the guy to go for now with Yamamoto off the board. Um, I, I'm trying to think of who's the best fit. I know, you know, a couple of weeks ago I did my list, um, and I said either Giants or Angels would be the best or where he should go or where he will go is between Giants and Angels. The Phillies could give him an offer that's very good. And if you had that rotation, oh, my God. You already re-signed Nola to start things off for free agency. You still have Zach Wheeler, and you add Blake Snell. If you don't win the World Series, you, you're you dumb as fuck. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. And then, what, they round out the rotation with... Uh, Try to think who else is in that rotation. You got uh, Taiwan Walker, Ranger Suarez. Yeah, like that five would be fantastic. You knock Christopher Sanchez out of the rotation. That would be amazing. I'd probably go Nola. Uh, I guess, yeah, I'd probably go Nola, Snell, Wheeler, Walker, Suarez. I think that's a good five, honestly. You go righty, lefty, righty. I think Taiwan Walker's a lefty. Um. Let's double check that. Nope, he's a righty. Uh, but Ranger Suarez is a lefty, so you could flip them. And you could go righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Um, I like that rotation a lot. So if they go after Snell, it's great um, for them. We're still going to kick their ass. Whatever. Um, I think we already won the division. <laughs> go check the standings. It'll show us first. Alphabetical order, buddy. I don't even know if it'll let Yeah. We're first. <laughs> Gotta be. Atlanta Braves, always first in the division, even when the season's not going. Um, all right, let's see. Well, that's going to show last year. <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, the next thing. Joey Votto, getting some uh, getting some interest, which I like. Obviously, he's not going to be with the Reds anymore. They parted ways, but um, I think Joey Votto's still got some years in him. I think he could go probably not start anywhere at the moment, but he could go and, and play a couple of games, probably like get like 60 to 80 games for a team. Um, he wouldn't be bad. And then uh, the Giants, Phillies, and Angels, same teams that are in on Blake Snell are also in on Jordan Montgomery. Makes sense. The guy was phenomenal in the postseason for the Rangers. He just came off of a World Series. Like, you can't deny that guy. Um, big move, though, the Dodgers traded their the uh, the number 44 MLB pipeline prospect, uh, Michael Bush, uh, infielder. Huge power bat. Fantastic bat. Not great in the field. Doesn't really have a position just yet. They know he's going to play the infield. Um, but he's going to the Cubs. That's a good move for the Cubs. They need to add a little bit of youth to that team. Obviously, you know, um, you have the infield pairing of um, Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson. And then you add in Michael Bush there. You've got Christopher Morell in the outfield, say a Suzuki in the outfield. They're building something pretty good in uh, in Chicago. I think they need a power bat in the outfield, though. Um, maybe a Reese Hoskins wouldn't be a bad look. Um, or Reese on Bellinger. That would be a great, uh, great pickup for them. Um, the Orioles still in talks with the White Sox over a cease trade. They're probably the only team that could do it right now. They've got enough young talent that they probably more than likely need to offload. They're almost 
they almost have too much good talent <laughs> on the Orioles. Um, I think they could make a deal work with Dylan Cease. I think it's definitely possible because, look, Cease is just fantastic, and I think the White Sox are going to over-ask for anybody uh, right now just because they need everything they can get. But I think the Orioles can make a deal work. Maybe, like, <sighs> see, it's tough because, like, Jackson Holiday's now moved into the infield, so he's going to be playing shortstop. Maybe you throw Jorge Mateo over there. Maybe throw in, you know, one outfielder that's in the minors, one pitcher that's in the minors. Um, I I honestly think they'd be fine getting a deal done with the White Sox. Uh, the Mets are in the starting pitching trade market. They're looking for someone to add to that rotation. It's a it's a questionable rotation for sure for the Mets. Um, not great, and you got guys still injured. It's not a good look right now for the Mets. So. Being in the trade market right now makes sense. Um, and then the Rays are shopping off D.H. Harold Ramirez, who had a pretty good season this uh, this past year. It wasn't amazing, but definitely was an impact bat for one of the best teams in the league last year. So that wouldn't be uh, a bad pickup for a couple of teams. I don't really know who's looking for a D.H. right now in particular. Um, seems like a lot of teams have that spot kind of nailed down. But um I'm sure somebody's going to trade for Harold Ramirez when it's all said and done. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about all I've got for the MLB. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into uh, some college football news. Obviously, Nick Saban retired. That's kind of the source of almost all of the news in college football right now. Obviously, the season's over. Michigan already won. Nobody cares because Jim Harbaugh's leaving and J.J. McCarthy's probably leaving. Uh, I think that is coming out soon. Um, you got a whole lot of stuff going on, but uh, Nick Saban's replacement has been found, and it is former Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer. I love that move so much. It is, <clears throat> first of all, because it's not Mike Norvell, uh, and second of all, because I think Kalen DeBoer is a fantastic coach. He, he's come through pretty well, honestly. Um, <clears throat> I I do think it's um, interesting what the reaction's been, um, you know, by players, it makes sense. Some guys leaving Alabama, some guys staying. A lot of guys leaving Washington. Um, can't really blame them, considering DeBoer left. But uh, Bama, probably going to replace Tommy Reese um, at OC. Probably go pick up um, the Washington OC from last year that they interviewed. I think his last name is Grubb. Um, Jonathan Grubb, maybe. Can't quite remember his first name, but... I think Tommy Reese probably needs to be replaced. And then they also need a new defensive coordinator because uh, Kevin Steele retired. They've got a couple of options. I think Glenn Schumann coming from Georgia to Alabama wouldn't be that bad. I think it'd be a good move. It probably isn't the best move for Glenn, um, but for Bama, it'd be a fantastic move. Um, you could promote uh, Charlie Strong, who you know has a good track record as a DC, not as good as a head coach, but um, he's an analyst right now at Bama. You go get a guy like DJ Durkin. Um, he got fired from AM, so he's looking for a job. Um, obviously, Alabama has been seen as like the second chance for a lot of, you know, coaches. I don't know how good that's going to be, though, now. Like, is it really going to be like that? Because Saban could just kind of, you know, make a guy do what he was supposed to. I don't know if DeBoer is going to be able to do that. I think DeBoer is going to need the the helpful assistance. And I think early on in Nick's career at Bama, he needed the assistance. And like you've seen that because his coaching tree is ridiculous. Like 
when he won a national championship with LSU, he had a ridiculous coaching staff, and he's had a ridiculous coaching staff at Alabama every single year. Um, so I think DeBoer's going to go out. He's going to get the right DC. They're going to get, you know, they're going to figure things out with the offense. Uh, but they did lose some recruits and they lost some players to the portal. So you got wide receiver Isaiah Bond heading to Texas. That's tough. That's tough. Um, you know, a lot of Bama players wanted him to stay, but I don't know. I I, I don't blame him for making the move. You, you were going to be one of the best uh, wide receivers on that team, and you go to Texas, who is going to lose Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. I don't blame him at all uh, for heading over to Texas, go play with Quinn, go play for Sark. And then also uh, you had two freshman defensive backs uh, enter the portal for Bama as well. And then the number three wide receiver in the 2024 class, Ryan Williams, decommitted from Bama. There's a whole lot going on with that team. Um, I believe the corner that I'm speaking of, one of them was Damani Jackson, I believe. Or no, he just transferred in. Okay, so they've got three guys transferring in. LT Overton from uh, A&M, Damani Jackson from USC, and uh, Nikhil Bertrand from uh, A&M as well on the uh, offensive line. So, yeah, they've got some transfers coming in. I think a lot more guys will transfer in. You might have a couple of Washington guys transfer in, uh, just kind of following DeBoer. But, um, yeah, with DeBoer exiting, a lot of Washington players going to the draft. Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Dylan Johnson, Jalen McMillan, and Roger Rosengarten. I don't even know who that guy is, but I heard I heard he's pretty good. <laughs> and also his last name is Rosengarten. Um, but yeah, a lot of guys going to the draft. Obviously, Penix is going to the draft because he's like thirty. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if some of these guys should have gone. Obviously, Rome should have gone. Dylan Johnson should have gone. Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk might need a little bit more to prove. They're going to get picked. Don't get me wrong. They could go earlier if they stayed another year. I don't know if Jalen Polk had a choice. Um. I think Jalen McMillan did. Um, nonetheless, uh, you had two coaches get extensions right after being rumored to be going to Bama. Uh, Sark and Mike Norvell both signing extensions. Um, Norvell, I think he got eight years. He's getting ten million a year, more than ten million a year, uh, despite the NIL violations. Um, which <clears throat> let's talk about those FSU and I uh, violations because this story is ridiculous. So our offensive coordinator, Alex uh, Atkins got a three game suspension to start next year. And uh, FSU must dissociate with a booster for three years and his NIL collective for one year. Cause it's something they did back in 2022, 2023 season uh, where Alex Atkins drove a transfer recruit to meet a booster who then offered the player $15,000 a month to play for FSU, and then he just took himself out of the portal, stayed at his school, and then most likely reported them. Um, like, why the fuck are you getting the offensive coordinator to do that? Get some fucking schlub that goes to Florida State and be like, yo, dude, 10 bucks. Drive this kid to this booster's house. He'll be like, okay. Make him sign an NDA or something. <laughs> like, it's not that hard to just... Just work around it. Why the, like, out of everybody, the offensive coordinator, why him? He's like an actually important part of the steam. And you just, like, dude, yeah, just drive this guy over to the booster's house, whatever. 
That's so ridiculous. Um, yeah, like, what are you doing? Go find some grad assistant to do this. Like, why? Why? The offensive coordinator makes no sense to me. Nonetheless, uh, Sark also getting an extension, bringing in some transfers, all that stuff. Uh, and then Ohio State doing something interesting. They're getting some guys to stay and not go to the draft. Notably, Travion Henderson is staying at Ohio State, and JT Tuomaloa is staying at Ohio State. That is huge for them. And for Travion Henderson to stay was kind of surprising considering Quinshawn Judkins just transferred to Ohio State. I think that's ridiculous to stay. You kind of fucked over Quinshawn. Um, but if he felt he needed another year to go first round, I don't blame him because that guy is good. But, um, yeah, I don't blame him for taking another year. I just think it kind of fucks over Quinshawn's chance to um, really show something off of there. But, yeah, Ohio State's got something going. The problem is that Will Howard is going to be their quarterback. That's uh, the big problem. Uh, yeah, Ohio State <laughs> Ohio State also brought in the uh, the horrible center for Al- uh, Alabama, Seth McLaughlin. That's the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> you saw how bad he was. How did he get that? Like, how did he get another job? I guess not a job. He's a college student. Whatever. Like, how do you get that? But yeah, Will Howard sucks. Um, and what was the uh, who's the quarterback that just re-entered the portal from Washington? Was it um, Will Rogers from Washington State, or not Washington State from uh, Mississippi State that went to Washington? Now he's re-entering the portal, and uh, yeah, he's got. They've all got one month uh, in the portal. No, he was only committed to Washington for one month. Nice. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, they uh, every team that the coach leaves, uh, they do have a 30-day window that reopens. So yeah, Will Rogers. Let's see those uh, that six potential landing spots. Check that out. College Sports Wire. What are they thinking? How funny would it be if you went back to Mississippi State? <laughs> oh, they've got Auburn on there. I don't hate that at all. USC is weird. He's not good enough for UFC or UFC, USC. Western Kentucky is bad, dude. <laughs> Houston is bad. Bama's not happening. He could stay at Washington. I, I guess that is true. They don't have a head coach yet. Um, that should definitely be a factor. Dude, if <laughs> Yeah, I don't he's not gonna he's not going back to or he's not going to Alabama. Also, Jalen Milrow and early Heisman favorite in the same sentence should not happen. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Wait, where is KJ Jefferson going? What did that just say? He's like thirty. I don't know where it went. He's got to be going to some shit school. Yeah, UCF. <laughs> I knew it. God. I could have sworn he got drafted like two years ago. A home run. Nice. Isn't John Rice Plumley still there? No way. Who the fuck is that? Mike Bianchi? Dude, he literally writes for the Orlando Sentinel. Of course he says that KJ Jefferson's the best college quarterback in Florida, followed by Graham Mertz. Are you out of your fucking mind? 
DJ Uongalula is literally going to be the quarterback at Florida State this season, and he's better than both of them. And I don't even think DJ's that good, and he's still better than them. And Cam Ward's going to Miami. I didn't even have that in my notes, but I just remembered it. Cam Ward's going to Miami. So he's also better. Like, this is ridiculous. What the fuck? <laughs> Yo, Mike Bianchi or Bianchi? You are the most biased writer I've ever seen. He's probably the same guy that wrote the Orlando Sentinel thing from three days ago and says it's a home run for UCF. This guy loves KJ Jefferson. <laughs> what the fuck? No, Chris Hayes, you're also dumb. You look weird. <laughs> Bro looks like a gremlin. <laughs> I like having somebody pull this stuff up for me. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh, okay. Dude, that's so dumb. Yeah, I... <laughs> I, I can't believe that was said. <laughs> Trying to see any other college football stuff. I don't think so. Let's get a last update on uh, Rams-Lions before we get out of here. Start of the second half, still 21-17. Let's take a look at the box score. Stafford, 13 for 18, 210. Two touchdowns, no picks. Got one sack for nine yards. Jared Goff. Oh, I thought he was going to still be perfect. He's 16 for 18 for 194, one touchdown. He got sacked for 15 yards. <laughs> he got one sack, uh, 15 yards. David Montgomery, 10 carries, 43 yards, touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, four carries, 26 yards, and a touchdown. Kyron Williams, not not doing too hot. Six carries, 22 yards. Uh, Puka, oh, my goodness, five receptions, 106, and a touchdown. Tutu Atwell's only target was a touchdown reception for 38 yards. Uh, Demarcus Robinson's got two receptions, 33. What the fuck's Cooper Cup doing? Five targets, two receptions for 13 yards? Dog shit. And then uh, Josh Reynolds still leading the way. Five receptions on five targets for 80 yards. Seems like they're putting the locks on Amon Ra. The two incompletions that Jared Goff has are to Amon Ra St. Brown. That's crazy. And then uh, Laporta's got the receiving touchdown, one of his two receptions. Um, Yeah, interesting, interesting game. Goff didn't fumble the ball, but they kept it. Oh, two sacks for Aiden Hutchinson. His two solo tackles of the game are two sacks. Wild. And then uh, the Rams' Ernest Jones has a sack. Um, Looks like that's really about it. Yeah, Brett Maher hit a 24-yard field goal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's better than he did last year for the Cowboys. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, all right. I think we'll leave you guys with that. This was a fantastic episode. Uh, thank you, Nathan, for producing the show, uh, pulling up Zillow. <laughs> and um, we hope you guys enjoy the setup. I, I don't know how you know regularly this one's going to be used. Hopefully it's all the time. Hopefully, you know, we'll get Colin sitting next to me on other, uh, you know, every other Sunday or whatever, but we'll figure some things out. And, um, yeah, guys, we'll leave you with that. Uh, make sure you guys are following, liking, subscribing, commenting, sharing, and um, you right there watching this on YouTube. You need to subscribe. You need to follow on all of our social media accounts. You need to like. You need to comment. 
need to turn on notifications. But for the rest of the people, I feel like what you need to do is join the Reddit. Everybody needs to join the Reddit. It's r slash 2nd A-N-D short. It's that easy. And look, I know all of our followers are short, so I know you how to sp- I know you know how to spell that part. Um, but go ahead, get those questions submitted by Thursday about midday, so you can be on the next edition of Questions Time. And um, yeah, I think that's about it for the people. We'll see you guys later this week. Me and Luke on Friday, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, it's me and Luke on Friday. And um, yeah. And uh, enjoy Monday's football. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the day off today for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And um, we'll catch you guys later. Peace.